Welcome to Simon Says Educate. I'm Simon, your AI host, and I'm here to guide you through the exciting world of teaching and learning at Clover Park Technical College. Together with my human co-hosts, we'll explore the latest trends and best practices in education, bringing you a fresh and engaging perspective on what's happening in classrooms and beyond. Each week, we'll dive deep into the issues that matter most to our community, interviewing faculty members, students, and other thought leaders in the field. We'll discuss everything from the newest teaching strategies and classroom technologies, to the challenges and opportunities of online learning, and the impact of education on students' lives and careers. So sit back, relax, and get ready to be inspired and informed as we embark on this educational journey together. Welcome to Simon Says Educate. Welcome everyone, this is Jeff Kane at the Teaching and Learning Center in Clover Park Technical College, and you're listening to Simon Says Educate, uh, where we have with us today Jennifer Snook Brown, uh, who's going to talk to us about open education resources. Uh, so let's have Jennifer talk about who she is and how she got that way. Hello, I'm happy to be here. So yes, I am Jennifer Snook Brown. I am the OER librarian at Tacoma Community College in Tacoma, Washington. And I have been a professional librarian for 20 years this year and the OER librarian involved in OER at TCC for the last seven years. Okay, great. And so when we're talking about OER, we're talking about open education resources. For those not familiar with open education resources or OER, um, what definition do you use for that? What are OER? That's a great question because there are some different definitions. And um, what is considered true OER um, are resources that are openly licensed. Um, the, the most common open licenses are called Creative Commons licenses. Um, and these resources are still copyrighted by their creators, but the open license provides permissions, and there's a spectrum of, of openness to these licenses, but it provides permissions for usage um, by um, other people to be able to use them and or revise them that kind of thing. So you have to look at the license and the least you have to do when you, as a user or an educator for OER, the least you have to do is give credit or what is called attribution to be able to use and or revise um, the, the OER. So that's um, like true OER. Then there are related concepts such as open access, which is used a lot with scholarly resources to define um, particularly like scholarly journals or articles that are available to view without a paywall or a subscription wall. I kind of use open access in a broader sense to be to define anything that is available online to view without that paywall or subscription wall. So I don't limit myself open access to just scholarly. I kind of view anything on the open web. I kind of term under open access myself just because it's a convenient way that a lot of faculty can understand. And then there are free to use um, resources such as library resources, which contain traditional all rights reserved copyright, but um, don't incur any additional cost for students and or faculty. So in my work, I think copyright wise, and when we talk about like print on demand, which is being able to print 
um, openly licensed resources or public domain. Public domain is also a related concept, and that means that there is no um, copyright associated um, with the resource. But it's always a good practice to still attribute public domain. Um, just I encourage that as a best practice. But I tend to use OER in that broadest sense of it's it's okay to use, like students care about the free part, not the technical part. So while the technical part matters for issues of copyright and usage, I tend to think of as OER courses as those that use any combination of that, open, um, true OER, open access, and or free to use library resources. Okay, great. So it's not just free, those licenses help us determine how we can use something Right. Yes, exactly. Right. So one of the open licenses is um, Creative Commons attribution, no derivatives. Um, and the no derivatives part means you can't make any changes. You can still use it. You can still download it. You can still, you know, upload it, that kind of thing, but you just can't make any substantial changes. So that is, I would say, the most important license to keep track of with that um, no derivatives um, license. So when I share uh, resources, um, OER or free to use resources with faculty myself, and I do that a lot in my job as OER librarian, I point out the licenses and what those licenses allow them to do with that resource in more practical terms. Great, great. And I, I'm also interested in this um, uh, for myself. This has been uh, kind of new. I've known that librarians are often on the cutting edge of a lot of not just learning technology, but materials and, and delivery. You know, for instance, uh, I, there was a lot of librarians back in the day when things like Second Life were coming out. Yes, you know? I remember that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, then, and then we have this open education resources. Um, how does this wind up in the, in the library and, and um, how did you get involved in OER? It's a great question. I agree with you, and it's great to hear um, the recognition of librarianship or librarians in this field. I think it is a common misconception, or or some people view like librarianship as sort of it's it's associated with books, you know, and print materials. That is our legacy, um, and continues to be. There's a I still advocate for copyright and print materials because you interact with those resources in a different way. And I feel like in the history of librarianship, we've always been looking at or paying attention to new technologies and how to integrate those into our collections. Because first and foremost, libraries are for communities. And so you need to keep engaged in what your community is using. And so they are engaging with technology. And I think where OER in particular really connects with librarianship and where I utilize my skills as a librarian, it's completely transferable to what I do as an OER librarian, is that a huge part of what I do is being able to meet primarily faculty. I do teach students about OER as well and copyright issues, but primarily I'm there to support faculty with finding and using and attributing OER. But being able to meet faculty where they are and at what stage they are of comfort level, even when it comes to OER, those are skills that are directly applicable to how we interact with students, like on the reference desk or in research chat, where everybody comes with a different 
you know, journey or goal that they're on and different experiences. And so we engage with them of like, okay, what is your need according to your perspective? What are your experiences with that? What have you already done? What do you need? And then we adapt as needed to those particular needs. So it's the same kind of thing when we're helping with students across the curriculum with research materials, the same kind of thing. This is still a research you know, project for faculty to potentially find OER in their areas. So me getting to know what the faculty is really needing, what is their, what are their curriculum needs, what are their course learning outcomes, hugely important to be able to find OER that's potentially relevant to what they're needing. Maybe what type of materials they're needing, are they actually needing a textbook or maybe case studies or maybe sample syllabi, that kind of thing really makes a difference about where those resources might be. Um, it's the same kind of research and scavenger hunt um, excitement that happens every day for a librarian. So I think we're really primed to be able to help. And I think that's why you've seen such um, high numbers of librarians in even like global, national, international OER conferences, such as the Open Education Conference as well. There's always a hefty, hefty amount of librarians ready yes. and willing to chat about anything OER. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So I'd like to talk a little bit more about, so you mentioned that there's obvious advantages to students. So it's, um, you know, there's the cost of OER, which is free. So that would be uh, attractive to students, but what are some of the advantages to faculty? Why would they want to do this themselves? Yes, that's another great question. Um, and it's, it's free if it's, online if students have access to digital versions, but there can be a cost where we see a lot of students want to be able to have print versions of openly licensed content. And that's where something like print on demand, where you can have, if you have an in-house bookstore where they can provide a low cost um, print version of openly licensed materials, which an open license would allow them to do. So just to keep that in mind um, for faculty who want to adopt um, openly licensed textbooks or courses that you will often encounter students who need different um, different formats potentially or other downloadable formats such as EPUB or you know PDFs that kind of thing. So the advantages for faculty, there's so many, because I'm a faculty member myself, I teach um, courses as well, and yes, I practice what I preach, we use <laughs> openly licensed materials okay. in our um, research um, credit courses. So I think one of the big benefits for faculty when engaging with, with, OP, with OER is a kind of makes you re-engage with what you're teaching because you're evaluating it. You're, you can, with openly licensed content, you can take away the stuff you don't need, right? Or you can rearrange it. You all of a sudden think about your course materials in a different way. You're not beholden to this one way textbook and that's it um, kind of model that we're kind of used to, to engaging with. It gives you a lot more creative freedom as a faculty member. And I find that that's really liberating. I've kind of joked that it makes you kind of fall in love with your class again, because you have this freedom to um, pick and choose and rearrange and really craft something that you think is really relevant for students. So that is, I think, something that we don't always think about when we talk about um, OER is, yes, it's amazing cost savings or potentially cost savings for students, but it really provides critical engagement opportunity for faculty as well. 
Yeah, that's that's great. And and I know that as myself as a student, I was always kind of frustrated with uh, the fact that we would use 60% of one book and 20% of another book, and then we'd be assigned some articles. And um, back in the day, uh, I thought, wouldn't it be great if all of this stuff was together? And occasionally yes. a, a faculty member would, you, you would get the uh, course packet from the library mm. and it was mm -hmm. probably quasi-legal um, Xeroxed <laughs> uh, spiral bound thing from multiple well, sources. Yes. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> copyright is the other half of OER. In my position as OER librarian, I have to engage in copyright and I yeah. field a lot of copyright questions because a lot of faculty come to me and they're like, hey, can I use this and in what way? And that involves copyright and issues of fair use. And yes, course facts legally do have to be cleared by the Copyright Clearance Center or some equivalent um, process, but then you get into issues of fair use, but course facts them in and of themselves um, do have to be cleared. Um, also, we don't go looking for these things. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, and there's other situations to or other circumstances, such as there's a difference of totally online classroom environment versus a face-to-face -face classroom environment. Some of the many of the copyright laws don't always keep up with that kind of technology and are applied differently depending on different classroom environments. So it's a lot to keep track of um and that is why you have support systems right. <laughs> to help yeah. you navigate all those things right and that also helps uh helps it make uh clear about uh the involvement of the library that just seems like a natural fit good uh, point yes it often yeah. is a natural fit um on our campus our dean of the library is also the campus copyright officer and I engage him on every single copyright question that comes my way. <laughs> okay, great. So copyright, so that's one of the challenges of sorting out, you know, uh, what's OER, what's uh, acceptable in a, um, uh, in an online course, for instance, but what are some of the other challenges of uh, OER? How come everybody's not doing this right now? Oh, yes, we'll get there. Okay. <laughs> I have faith. Well, there are several challenges with OER. And in my position as OER librarian, I'm not shy about voicing those challenges. I don't present a picture of it's all roses with OER. It's a choice. And I think it is a legitimate choice. And I think it should be a legitimate option when, for example, departments talk about textbooks, like if they have like a standard textbook for all you know, sections of a course, I think OER should be on the table if there's OER available. That's one of the challenges. And I think this is an issue that is concerning OER in all fields. There's not just one place or a repository for openly licensed content. There are several. I have a complete, you know, find OER tab on our faculty and staff guide to OER. I use that myself. And there are several places to search um, for OER. And not everyone shares the OER that they've created um, as well. Or maybe, you know, those who have created OER don't have the capacity or the support they need to be able to share OER projects. So it, it can be a challenge to find potentially relevant OER in specific fields or specific subject areas. And that's where I come in. I kind of know the basics and then I can 
a faculty member shouldn't have to know all of those things. That's where I can come help and kind of cut down on potential options. And I think this issue is exacerbated in OER for the trades and prof tech fields because of the proprietary nature of some of these fields. And there's some very specialized information and knowledge required in fields like IT or health information technology, many others, where you have to be continuously up to date on like the newest programs and coding and related professional exams, et cetera. So how do you keep up with that? Like it's hard enough to keep up with that as an educator when you have copyrighted textbooks, you know, traditional textbooks, um, to be able to create your own and then keep updating it, um, even if it's around like proprietary programs or that kind of thing, that's a lot to ask. So, and I think that needs to be recognized, the time that it takes to create OER or even just adapt OER to your um, area or field or even country um, sometimes. So it, it takes, and that should, that kind of work to edit, adapt, and to create should be compensated work. Um, as well. And that is another wrinkle, like do colleges have a uh, financial support structure in place to be able to compensate faculty for that? And so textbook companies are just more able to take on that kind of work and necessary updates in certain fields. And in some fields, honestly, they may still be the only game in town. So that's just a reality in some areas. And there just isn't some OER yet, I would mm -hmm. like to say, yeah. um, for some specialized prof tech fields or trades. And that's okay. Um, copyrighted works still have their place. And sometimes they were fantastic textbooks or course materials. But I think we just need to keep examining those. And we need to keep pushing and still find ways, even if there's not a totally openly licensed textbook, maybe there are openly licensed supplemental sources that you can use, such as, you know, case studies or manuals. I've had faculty work on manuals to help explain the textbook or the coding or whatever there is, um, or engage students in the creation of like maybe problem sets. I've been working with a faculty member about students creating um, problem sets, for example, common scenarios that they then, you know, use for the next um, students. So and that's like a final um, kind of project in those kind of classes. Or another problem is you might be able to find a good quality OER text in your trade, but it might need to be updated to reflect like American or state specific regulations and laws. So again, that might take time or might need supplemental material. Um, but I would say that I'm, I never, I am aware of OER. I, I subscribe to OER listservs. I tag things because I, I kind of have like our curriculum, our TCC specific curriculum, like in my head. And I'm always seeking out like, oh, I know we have that program. Let me tag this one. And I have certain days set aside in the quarter to then review those things that I've set aside um, so that it's manageable for me to do that. But every time I get direct questions from faculty colleagues about OER in their area, I'm always like, well, let's see what there is. And I'm, I tend to be pleasantly surprised. There are pockets of OER, including across the spectrum of trades and prof tech fields. And there are some OER repositories, um, as I presented at with Clover Park, um, the OER Faculty Institute, fabulous first institute that you all had last year. Um, so there are some OER repositories like BC Open, LibreText, MIT OpenCourseWare, Skills Commons is just for um, openly licensed material in the trades that are have extensive sections or specifically dedicated to OER um, in the trades. So 
it's exciting because I keep seeing more and more um, options available. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's been interesting for us too because there's been the assumption that we're not going to find much, but then when we actually look under the hood of like let's say for instance welding curriculum, um, Mm-hmm. well one of one of our one of our issues with welding and a lot of the other trades is the math. Yeah. And uh, so we recently found, well, you know, and then the math as it's presented in the welding textbook is really kind of this perfunctory thing. It's almost like it's like a reference chapter and not really go into detail about how these problems are solved. Or like they're integrated into the field. Yeah. 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 And uh, so then what we have is um, uh, we found recently, I believe it was at BC campus, the uh, Mm. mathematics for the trades. For the trades. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a few, there's few editions now. Yeah. Well, they've Yeah. got two volumes, Yes. just two volumes. That, yes. Yeah. And then also there's things like uh, blueprint reading. And Mm-hmm. a lot of that turned out to be uh, common in, um, in OER repositories. Yeah. I think Open Oregon has a whole section of welding specific Yeah. or blueprint, blueprint Right. reading. Yes. Right. Yeah. So it's, um, it's been kind of, it's been, um, it's been changing, you know, how, uh, you know, what's available. And, um, and then also like we were in, um, we were working with avionics and they pointed out that in a commercial textbook, they got really suspicious because many of the drawings look familiar to them and they kind of tracked it down, probably did a Google image search and they found that um, here was a commercial textbook using uh, public domain uh, illustrations for avionics that, out of government publications. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then we wound up finding somebody in Texas who's turning those government publications, which are in public domain. Right. Um, and they're up to date and, you know, putting them into avionics manuals, That's fantastic. you know, so yeah. That's what I find again and again is that once you start on the OER pathway, it opens up for you in unexpected ways, which is fantastic. And I've seen the past seven years, like how much it's grown, especially in the trades. And that's very exciting. It is. Okay. So uh, for those of you who are listening to this and are at Clover Park Technical College, uh, remember to contact the Teaching and Learning Center about this year's Open Education Resources Faculty Institute, which will be taking place on August 11th and 12th. It's a Friday and a Saturday. Um, and it's, of course, free to attend, and um, it provides uh, professional development unit hours as well. We'll also be recording everything um, and putting it up in a Canvas course. So if you're interested in looking at it later when you come back from vacation, uh, please contact us to be enrolled in that. I would like to thank Jennifer for um, uh, participating today in uh, Simon Says Educate. Thank you so much. And that wraps up another insightful episode of Simon Says Educate. Thank you for joining us today as we delved into the fascinating world of teaching and learning at Clover Park Technical College. We hope you've enjoyed the conversation and gained valuable insights to inspire your own educational journey. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform, so you won't miss any of our upcoming episodes. Remember to join us again next week as we continue to explore innovative strategies and share inspiring stories from the CPTC community. Until then, I'm Simon, 
your AI host, reminding you to never stop learning and growing. Take care, and see you next time on Simon Says Educate.